Police Reform in Afghanistan and Pakistan How did the process of security sector and police reform take place in Afghanistan and Pakistan? How and to what extent did the process of community-oriented policing, COP, reform get carried out in the cases of Afghanistan and Pakistan? What are the differences and similarities in the implementation of police reform and community-oriented policing in Afghanistan and Pakistan? Introduction Police are a critical aspect of every society. However, in many countries, especially in post-conflict states, the police are often in dire need of reform. In this term paper, I will be discussing how the process of security sector reform and police reform took place in Afghanistan and Pakistan. I will also discuss the challenges when police reform was being implemented by international and government actors in both countries. Furthermore, I will argue how and to what extent the process of community-oriented policing got carried out in both the countries and I will discuss and evaluate the way COP was implemented through different reform processes. Lastly, I will compare the similarities and differences in the implementation of police reform and community-oriented policing in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Security Sector Reform, Police Reform and Human Security Before I get into the discussion part of the assignment, I need to clarify some of the terminology discussed in this term paper. First of all is Security Sector Reform, SSR. The goal of SSR is to establish a security sector which provides effective security that is efficient, constitutional and democratically legitimate. The concept of SSR was first coined in the 1990s and was based on numerous developments like the collapse of the Warsaw Pact and the democratization of former Soviet countries. The development of the term human security was also a crucial part of the conceptualization of SSR, as it put importance on the security of individuals instead of states. Furthermore, an important factor was the realization that development in a country required a minimum of security. A need for SSR became apparent when the world saw an increase in intrastate conflicts, civil wars, where characteristics such as asymmetric warfare, difficulty in separating between combatants and civilians, ethnic and religious rifts, and collapse of the state institutions became apparent. So, in a post-conflict context, SSR became increasingly needed to strengthen and rebuild the state and its institutions. The essential field of security sector reform is that of the military, police, judicial system and intelligence services. In this paper, I will be focusing on police reform in the context of Afghanistan and Pakistan, Friesendorf and Krempel, 2011, pages 3-4. When talking about police reform in the context of Afghanistan and Pakistan, as well as in the context of this assignment, it's important to understand the principles of community-oriented policing, COP, also called community-based policing. How COP is created and practiced differs widely from national, to regional, to local, and is heavily context-dependent in terms of how the police interact with civil society and community members. The concept of community-oriented policing means different things in different contexts. However, the common idea is that the police and community members are in an active partnership and closely coordinated through problem-solving methods, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 42. Understanding the concept of human security is also useful in this paper as it helps to understand the complexities that involve security and insecurity. Human security shifts the focus to the security of people rather than states and opens up a broad range of security and insecurity issues that are experienced in the peoples of Afghanistan and Pakistan, how they cope with the issues and which institutions they interact with to address them. Understanding human security is a way to study the police-community relations and manage to include all the relevant actors and institutions in the analysis, Ganapati, Nimruzi, and L.P. Nubo, 2019, Pages 55-56. Security Sector Reform in Afghanistan. In this part, 
I will be discussing the police reforms in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks and the invasion of Afghanistan in late 2001. The quality of police work is of very significant importance when we're arguing about the legitimacy of a state. The police are in contact with the civilian population every day and are in turn more visible than soldiers in many cases. So, to establish human security, public trust in the police is a precondition. In post-war settings, the police are often unable to protect their citizens against crime and violence, and in some cases, they are even the source of violence. The OECD, which played a central role in creating the Concepts for Security Sector Reform, SSR, argue that the police are a service provider to the public, and should therefore be accountable to the public. The police should work closely with the public, a strategy often described as community-oriented policing, Friesendorf and Krempel, 2011, p. 4. In the situation of a post-9-11 world, much of the focus has been on the geopolitical situation in Afghanistan and the war on terror. The international military intervention into Afghanistan that ousted the Taliban regime was largely welcomed by the Afghan people. The focus then shifted quickly to state-building efforts by the international actors to stabilize the country and subsequently create a central Afghan government that was going to rule the country. There were many parts to this puzzle, and among them was police reform. Police building and reform in a fragile post-conflict state like Afghanistan is a balancing act, as it needs to balance the demand to be as civilian as possible, but also as military as necessary. Rapidly militarizing the police causes problems as it leads to a rift between the police and the public, and developing a trusting relationship between the factions becomes nearly impossible. Developing trust between the police and the public is critical, as this is how the police can do real work. The police represent a very important institution working with security issues, and since Afghanistan is a post-conflict society, the transition from military to civilian-based security is very important, Friesendorf and Krempel, 2011, p. Summary. The challenges of state-building, security sector reform, SSR, and police reform in Afghanistan have been significant. The range of control the Kabul government has outside its region has for a long time been limited, and the power of the government has been dependent on cooperation and negotiations between Kabul and local and regional power holders. Consecutive wars have also deepened ethnic divisions, and further problematized the division between rich and poor, educated and uneducated, urban and rural. Other challenges such as corruption on every level of society as well as organized drug-related criminality undermine the efforts to create a stable and working post-conflict state in Afghanistan, Ayub, Kuvo, and Wareham, 2009, p. 7. Police Reform in Afghanistan In the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks and the subsequent U.S.-led invasion of Afghanistan to overthrow the Taliban government, international actors came together in bond to establish the Afghan Interim Authority and to draw a roadmap for state-building. The conference resulted in an agreement to establish institutions based on a sovereign and democratic state that included a government, a constitution and elections in 2004 and 2005. The United Nations Assistance Mission in Afghanistan, UNAMA, was set up to help with security and state building. In the area of security sector reform, EU countries placed themselves as lead nations, Germany became the head of police reform, Italy controlled justice reform and the UK became the lead on counter-narcotics, Ayub, Kuvo, and Wareham, 2009, p. 9. So, from 2002 Germany was the lead coordinator for police building, and the program was designed as a sustainable project with a civilian approach. However, Germany had rather limited involvement and invested relatively little funds in the building and reform of the Afghani National Police, ANP. And once the United States noticed the lack of progress in building the ANP, they de facto assumed control of the responsibility of police building in Afghanistan. 
that meant a substantial change in the police-building approach, from civilian-based police reform to military-based police reform. This meant more militarization of police in the Afghanistan approach, before changing the approach in 2009, Friesendorf and Krempel, 2011, p. 3. The informal and formal justice sectors, the prison system and the security sector were severely damaged by consecutive conflicts and rapid changes in government. The Bonn Agreement addressed security sector reform only indirectly, and it emphasized a need for an international security force in Afghanistan while an Afghan security force was being developed. The continuing security challenges and the lack of international and national-led security compromised the development of security sector reform. This included reform of the Afghan National Police and led to a rushed pace of the re-establishment of a national police force. The consequences of this were that the reform focus became on ensuring minimal security presence in provinces and districts. The two countries that handled police reform, Germany and the USA, approached it from completely different perspectives. Germany trained few police officers extensively. The US, on the other hand, focused on short training for many officers. Ayub, Kuvo, and Wareham, 2009, p. 11. While the Afghan National Army was created from scratch and led by one donor, the US, and was often considered a security sector reform success, the Afghan National Police was created and transformed based on already existing police structures. The reasoning behind this was that demobilizing the police would have created a security vacuum and would become incredibly expensive. The police force was thus under a great deal of pressure as there was a shortage of troop numbers and they had to serve as a counterinsurgency force, Ayub, Kuvo, and Wareham, 2009, p. 12. Community-Oriented Policing in Afghanistan Community-Oriented Policing, COP, has been recognized as an important model of policing that helps restore trust and cooperation between police and the community. In a post-conflict situation like Afghanistan, transitioning from military to civilian-based security is very important. In state-building and security issues, accountable national police that can uphold the law is an important prerequisite. In a setting like Afghanistan, interest in COP as an approach has increased, and both governments and international donors have seen that the earlier security approaches have not helped build trust in the Afghan societies. Even the United Nations have made a shift in its policy towards a more COP-based approach to post-conflict police reform, Ganapati, Nimruzi, and L.P. Nubo, 2019, p. 55. A goal of COP initiatives in Afghanistan has been to transform the Afghan National Police from a militarized unit that fought terrorism and counterinsurgency, toward a more service-oriented, democratized and accountable police based on human rights and rule of law principles. The purpose was to strengthen the relationship between the local population and police, along with making the police more responsive and accountable to the communities. This was a different way to ensure human security for the civil society compared to earlier police reform attempts in Afghanistan. It had the objective of building trust and removing the gap between police and the community along with creating a space for cooperation and collaboration, Ganapati, Nimruzi, and L.P. Nubo, 2019, p. 58. In Afghanistan, police have often been viewed with fear, suspicion and mistrust, as well as being highly corrupt. The first police reform attempts in 2001 had little focus on trust building between police and the communities and later attempts to create trusted national law enforcement have been better, however insufficient to guarantee human security, as the reforms remain top-down and politically motivated. When COP was introduced in 2009 it changed the way reform was done as a way to build trust and address human security, and the first COP projects managed to lay the groundwork for the Afghan police reform approach, Ganapati, Nimruzi, and L.P. Nubo, 2019, p. 67. 
These early projects took a community focus with trust building and looking at how local issues could be addressed and worked out by the police and communities working together. The results were that the COP experience in Afghanistan became grounded within some of the Afghan institutions. It continued to expand to new provinces and districts, becoming implemented and localized to the different contexts inside Afghanistan. The adaptability of COP, the way that it could be implemented through linking with the local institutional contexts and the civil society actors was clearly shown through the local experiences. For as far as COP went in Afghanistan, it had shown a lot of promise for the post-conflict context through its adaptability and dynamic nature. Ganapati, Nimruzi, and L.P. Nubo, 2019, p. 67. The 2002 Police Order and Police Reform in Pakistan. In this part, I will be discussing the police reforms that were initiated in Pakistan through the 2002 Police Order Reform Program, and I will discuss how and why these reforms eventually failed. I will also discuss how police reform should be done in Pakistan. Furthermore, the reforms were then later built upon by the government in the 2010s, and my focus will be on the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province which had the most thorough police reforms of any region in Pakistan. The present police system in Pakistan is a legacy of the British colonial rule in India. It is based on the Police Act of 1861, in which the British sought to keep the indigenous population as well as the police under control. Without going into too much detail, the policing that evolved under the Act relied heavily on coercion, intimidation and violence rather than consent from the community. The goal of the police was primarily meant to prevent and detect crime, not serve the citizens of Pakistan. It is clear to see that the original intention was to keep the natives under strict control, however, this had the effect of alienating the police from the population as a whole. The only real breakthrough when it came to reforming the police, occurred in 2002 when the act was replaced with a new police law, the Police Order 2002, which introduced significant reform measures, Sadiq, 2014, p. 8. However, even before the law could be implemented, it was massively modified and transformed in 2004, and the law's basic characteristics were greatly changed. Thusly, the police reform law was only half-heartedly implemented and had no real impact, and public frustration with the system continued. Dr. Asan Sadiq argues that there were four main reasons why it can be concluded that the police reform failed to achieve its goals. Firstly, there was a lack of politicians taking ownership of the reforms. Secondly, there was a lack of capacity in the institutions to implement the reforms. Thirdly, there was a lack of focus on police stations, the primary service stations for police, and lastly, there was a lack of any effort to win any civil society or community support. Thus, the civil society's expectations to see a corruption-free, professional and service-oriented police never materialized, Sadiq, 2014, p. 9. To even further comprehend the failure of reform efforts, one needs to look at the larger socio-political picture, the bad governance and the failure of other institutions in Pakistan. These issues eventually led to putting excessive pressure and strain on the police's ability to deliver on the reforms. The central government lacked any real legal and political legitimacy and therefore used the police to sustain themselves. This naturally resulted in the gap between the police and the community widening and further strained the trust the community had in the police. The police also found themselves marginalized by other institutions, including the bureaucracy, politicians, judges and paramilitary organizations, which had deeply affected the quality of policing in Pakistan. So, in short, the police lack legitimacy, professionalism and the political space to move towards democratizing and community-orienting itself, Sadiq, 2014, p. 10. What should be done about police reform in Pakistan? Good policing and good governance are forever linked, 
and any attempts at reforming police should address weak governance, organizational and institutional weaknesses, a political culture of intrusion, and community demands for democratic, inclusive and responsible policing in the country. As long as the police are affected by external powers and influences, reform will be a difficult battle to win. The most important thing politicians and leaders can do is to let the police function as an apolitical, neutral and professional organization, as any other way will end in limited success. Furthermore, police leadership will need to begin reforms in key areas, i.e., the sectors of counterterrorism, criminal investigations, engagements and relations with the civil society, recruitment based on merits, zero tolerance of corruption and violence, enhanced gender representation among many other areas of improvement. The list of possible improvements is very long, and a nearly total reform and renovation of the whole police is needed in Pakistan, Sadiq, 2014, p. 10. A very central part of the 2002 police order was that of community engagement. The policing plan wanted to involve the local community in policing decisions and wanted the citizens informed about the police constraints regarding the law and financing. The community was to have an enhanced role in providing input for the priorities and objectives of the police work, however, no such consultation process was ever realized. The results were that most police districts prepared meaningless and unimportant plans only to fill a mandatory submission requirement. The central police office was not able to evaluate the plans either, especially those relating to community policing, thus no actionable feedback ever happened and they never ended up effectively monitoring the police performance. These attempts at community-oriented policing reform never had the possibility of being realized on a national level, Sadiq, 2014, p. 45. Sadiq argues that promoting community policing should be one of the aspects that must be investigated further when creating new police reforms in Pakistan. He argues that the community must have a meaningful say in the police priorities, just like what was put forward in the 2002 police order reforms, however, this is something that the police has yet to adopt as an organizational philosophy. Generally speaking, the concepts of community-oriented policing in Pakistan has not meaningfully been implemented on a national level, however the case study I will be exploring in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa shows that some steps in the COP direction are happening, Sadiq, 2014, p. 45. Swat Valley, Khyber Pakhtunkhwa and Police Reform While the world focused on the geopolitical situation in Afghanistan, significant changes were taking place in northwestern Pakistan, in the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, KP, region, the Swat Valley being one of the affected local areas. From the mid-2000s militants began to enter the region, taking control and imposing a strict and conservative religious agenda of quick justice systems and sharia on the citizens. The period 2007-2009 saw a markedly increase in violence as police, moderate religious leaders, elites and political figures were targeted, and women's rights were severely restricted. There were attempts at negotiating with the militants, however, the situation was so serious that the government undertook operations to rid the Swat Valley of its militants. The results of the hostility and the subsequent military operations were the displacement of 2.5 million people, however by 2009 the valley was cleared of militants and people began to return, L.P. Nubo and Nawab, 2020, pages 134-135. As the situation normalized, the army gradually handed over security responsibility to the police, and initiatives were set up to strengthen the rule of law, both in the police and in the judiciary system, to prevent future conflict. An important part of Pakistani social structure is the jirga system, an institution where the community gathers a group of elders and competent locals to solve a conflict. This system is a reflection of the power dynamics in the community and its role in conflict resolution and human security, and it's a substantially important factor in understanding the rule of law in the region, L.P. Nubo and Nawab, 2020, 
pages 137 to 138. The second option for conflict solution is bringing the case to the police and the formal justice system. However, in the case of KP and Pakistan as a whole, just like in Afghanistan, that process often ends in nothing as the police institution has been considered highly corrupt, ill-equipped, poorly trained and poorly managed for a long time. One of the main reasons that the Taliban, who promised quick justice, gained a foothold in the Swat Valley, was because of this lack of functioning police and justice system, LP Nubo and Nawab, 2020, p. 139. Faced with immense security challenges, the government of Pakistan began a new cycle of police reform. To make them better coordinated and be an active response to extremism and terrorism, the National Counter-Terrorism Authority was set up, led by senior police officers and combining the efforts of law enforcement and intelligence agencies. The National Police Bureau established itself as the premier institution for police reform in Pakistan, having the goal of creating a police force that would be professional, operate neutral, and be publicly accountable and with a police-as-a-service philosophy, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 42. Community-Oriented Policing in KP, Pakistan After the 2002 reform attempts, the NPB renewed reform efforts by providing professional help in democratic policing. In these reforms, one of the focuses was community-oriented policing. The reach of NPB to implement COP reforms might be limited though, as control over police is in the province's hands, not the national government. In KP, human insecurity is particularly high, and trust between the government, police and communities remains low. This was because during crisis times, like the Swat Valley situation, police worked closely with the military to fight the terrorist over province control, and spent minimal time interacting with the community. Nevertheless, KP police are improving COP through police community interactions, and through political, social and technical reforms, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 43. Police officials often blame the remnants of the 1861 Police Act from the British colonial era as the main reason for the problems in the police institutions, as the strategy employed is focused on using force and controlling the population. The public, however, knows little about this police act and tries to avoid the police as much as possible, since police often find excuses in the system to complicate situations and justify their actions, often creating more problems rather than building bridges with the community. This use of forceful actions against the public has continued over the years, often demonstrating itself as a cruel institution. The Pakistani government and its officials would often use the police to suppress their opponents rather than trying to reform the police force. Police are heavily used politically, and there is a culture for politicians politicizing the force and using it to promote their interests, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 45. However, the security situation in Pakistan, and especially KP province, changed drastically and worsened with the Soviet invasion of neighboring Afghanistan in 1979 and even more after the 9-11 attacks. Suddenly the police had to deal with the internal security situation and found themselves fighting terrorism and militancy in Pakistan, a job they thus far had no experience with and were not trained for. As they could not provide this security, to counter these new threats the government realized the need for more investments and police reforms. In Pakistan as a whole, salaries for police officers doubled, they received a monthly allowance, and training centers were established in each province. The KP police went further with their reforms, as they had the aims of building back public trust through being a better service and transforming the police to using problem-solving methods. They boosted the salaries for police officers to the level that policing became a respected job and boosted morale, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 46. Furthermore, 
the government in KP passed the Police Act 2017, which aimed to reconstruct and regulate the provincial police, making it less politicized and more accountable to the civilian population. Councils were set up to contribute to better communication and relations between the police and the public. These included committees that assisted the police with crime prevention and maintaining order, and police working with local organizations to ensure youth inclusion in the police work. Reforms that focused on behavior and attitude change inside the police institutions were key areas for the provincial government. The KP police saw improved relations with the civil society based on these reforms, however, they also gained increased sympathy after suffering high losses during the conflicts in the region, and it seemed to have caused a change in the attitude among the police towards the community, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 46. Police themselves were decidedly positive about the reforms in the act, as it changed the way police work was done through depoliticizing and laid the important groundwork for how the police institution should be effectively run. Although a lot of positive changes have happened, it is important to note that the KP police as a legitimate independent institution outside the local government's influence is still a far way off and it can change quickly with a change of government. Furthermore, an important argument is that the depoliticization and reform of the KP police don't necessarily improve police-community relations. Community members and police officials argue that good training remains the most important aspect to create good policemen that are service providers to the community. KP and Pakistan as a whole still have an extraordinarily long way to go when it comes to reforming the police and indeed community-oriented policing, Nawab, Allah, Nubo, and Maksud, 2019, p. 46. Comparing the police reforms and COP implementation in Afghanistan and Pakistan. How can the cases of police reform and COP implementation in Afghanistan and Pakistan be compared? What is made clear in both cases is that the reform attempts came in the context of the 9-11 attacks, the resulting regional war on terror geopolitics in the Middle East, and the situation both countries found themselves in at the time. Furthermore, the police institution of both the Afghan and Pakistani governments was looked upon as incredibly corrupt, ill-equipped, poorly managed and trained, and generally unable to protect its citizens. They were viewed with significant fear, suspicion and mistrust, and therefore had a long way to go when it came to reform efforts. In both cases, the goal of the police reforms was to improve the many problems the police institutions faced. This meant switching the approach of the police from being a more militarized institution that used tactics of coercion, intimidation and violence, to more of a civilian-oriented, responsible, and democratic service police institution focused on building trust with the community. Both Afghanistan and Pakistan also struggled with weak governance, organizational and institutional weaknesses, and corruption in government that led to significant difficulties when trying to reform the security structures. The central government in both states often had little authority and control over the provinces, so implementing nationwide reforms was often difficult and time-consuming. Differences also showed up when comparing the two contexts. The situation both countries found themselves in was quite different, as Pakistan wasn't a post-conflict country and had an existing police institution, unlike war-torn Afghanistan where the police institutions were either not working or barely existed in the ruins of the invasion, and essentially had to be built up from scratch. Although here it is important to note that COP was implemented in post-conflict situations in both Afghanistan and Pakistan. Furthermore, the responsibilities of who was supposed to implement police reforms were quite different. In Afghanistan, the economic and political authority for state-building efforts and the reform process was in the hands of international actors that had intervened in the country, while in Pakistan it was implemented by the government, so essentially in-house. The police laws in Pakistan were based on 19th-century British imperialist laws, and needed reform badly, 
while in Afghanistan the police laws were gradually modernized over the centuries and received large, clean slate reforms after the 2001 invasion. Community-oriented policing initiatives in both Afghanistan and Pakistan have been adopted in the same ways. In both cases, the goal of the reforms has been to transform the police units from a more militarized institution made for fighting terrorism and counterinsurgencies, to a more service-oriented, democratized and accountable institution. Attempts to reform the institutions were often met with failure after the first try in both situations, however, later projects like in the case of the KP Provincial Police had significant accomplishments when implementing cop reforms. They often saw more success when localizing reform efforts to the different social and political contexts inside the provinces of Afghanistan and Pakistan, as COP's extensive adaptability through linking with local institutions and the civil society remained strong. In both cases COP saw enormous potential where police institutions could do more community-focused policing, ensuring the police worked for everyone in the society, not just a select few powerful people. However, both countries have a long way to go when it comes to reforming the police and indeed community-oriented policing, and even more unsure is the future of Afghanistan in the context of the Taliban takeover in August 2021. Conclusion In this term paper, I have discussed how the process of security sector reform and police reform took place in Afghanistan and Pakistan. I discussed how the police were reformed by international actors in the wake of the 9-11 attacks and the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, and the war on terror. I discussed the challenges of security sector reform and police reform in the context of Afghanistan, where the police institution essentially had to be built from scratch, and the completely different approaches by the USA and Germany when it came to implementing police reform. I discussed that in the case of Pakistan police reform was attempted in the 2002 police order to change the extraordinarily old Police Act of 1861, however, these reform efforts failed for various reasons. In the last part, I discuss how police reform could be implemented in Pakistan. Furthermore, I argued how and to what extent the process of community-oriented policing got carried out in both of the cases, and discussed the results of these reforms. In Afghanistan, COP initiatives were being implemented to change the national police to become more community-oriented police as earlier reform attempts had barely focused on these aspects of policing. The results were that the COP experience in Afghanistan became grounded within some of the Afghan institutions in the provinces and districts. In Pakistan, there were significant COP reform efforts, especially in the KP province and the dust of conflicts that happened there in the late 2000s. Important reform efforts led to improved relations between police and civil society and laid the groundwork for how the Pakistani police institutions can be run, and how COP as a philosophy can be used. Lastly, I compared similarities and differences in the implementation of police reform and community-oriented policing in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Bibliography L.P. Nubo, I., Ganapati, J., and Nimruzi, A., 2019. From Guns to Roses, Understanding Community-Oriented Policing in Afghanistan. A's, Norwegian University of Life Sciences. Ayub, F., Kuvo, S., and Wareham, R., 2009. Security Sector Reform in. Kabul, The Initiative for Peacebuilding and the International Center for Transitional Justice. Friesendorf, C., and Krempel, J., 2011. Militarized versus Civilian Policing, Problems of Reforming the Afghan National Police. Frankfurt, Peace Research Institute. L.P. Nubo, I., and Nawab, B., 2020. Civil Security in the Wake of Crisis, Renegotiating Police Community Relations in Post-Crisis Development in Swat, Pakistan. A.S., Norwegian University of Life Sciences. Nawab, B., Allah, S., Nubo, I., and Maksud, T., 2019.
community-oriented policing, political, institutional and technical reforms in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, KP, Police. Journal of Human Security, 41-53. Sadiq, D. E. 2014. Politics of Police Reforms in Pakistan. Pakistan, Roseanne.